When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday, November 9th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined once again by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, good to have you back after a week off. Definitely, Joe. I've been uh, sitting on the couch. I've been uh, working in the yard. It's, it's been relaxing, but I'm, I'm ready to get back doing it. Well, you picked a great time to come back and join us. It's, uh, it's awards week. The, uh, the season kicked off last week with, uh, you know, silver sluggers, gold gloves, uh, uh, a lot of stuff we can go over there, but uh, the first major award from the Baseball Writers Association of America, uh, the Rookie of the Year awards coming out tonight. No Indians uh, uh, rookies were qualified for the, as finalists. Uh, Kyle Lewis from Seattle, Luis Robert uh, from the Chicago White Sox, and Houston pitcher Christian Javier, the three finalists for the American League Rookie of the Year. Uh, really, from what we saw uh, the first time through with Luis Robert, he, he looks like he could be the real deal. He looks like he could have a, a, a long and prosperous uh, major league career with the, the combination of speed and power that he can put together. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the American League Rookie of the Year, Chase? Yeah, you know, loved Robert. Uh, you know, he, he kind of lived up to that billing, and then he kind of hit the wall. You know, he hit that rookie wall, uh, kind of struggled, you know, going down the stretch for him. We didn't get to see Kyle Lewis or, or Javier. You know, that was a problem of this, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, the uh, kind of truncated season. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would probably, you know, favor Lewis, just his overall numbers. But, and, and Javier did a good job too. You know what, he got, went five and three and, right. you know, kind of came out of nowhere and helped those, helped that rotation after losing uh, Verlander and, and Cole. So, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's going to be an interesting vote. Uh, he might not have even been the, the best rookie on his own team. Framber Valdez uh, went 5-3 and three as well, a 3.57 ERA, 76 strikeouts, and, and he really sort of uh, pitched it, it really well in the playoffs. Obviously, the award was voted on before the, the postseason. So, uh, you know, for my money, uh, from what I saw out of Luis Robert, he's, he probably has the, the best potential uh, for – uh, a, a good long major league career, but I think Kyle Lewis is probably the favorite to, to win it out of Seattle. Yeah, that I'd, I'd go with Lewis as well, Joe. I think uh, you're probably going to favor a, a position player over a pitcher right there. And, uh, you know, Robert, you know, really kind of had the, had the award in his back pocket until he kind of hit the skids there. Right. Uh, in the National League, Alec Baum of the Phillies, Jake Cronenworth of the Padres, and Devin Williams of the Brewers uh, were the finalists there. Uh, Devin Williams of the, the Brewers, we saw him. He was, he, uh, you know, he's the real deal. Uh, devastating changeup uh, and just, uh, you know, uh, put up the numbers. I, I believe his numbers equaled uh, Indians rookie James Karinchak in terms of 
uh, his strikeout uh, to innings pitch ratio. Uh, he was he was just lights out, fantastic. But uh, I think the uh, the word on the street is that Cronenworth has the inside track uh, with what he did with the Padres. Yeah, and he can that that kid can play all over the place with the, with the Padres. But uh, you know, uh, Devin Devin Williams. I mean, boy oh boy oh boy, what a what an arm. Twenty seven innings pitched, zero point three three ERA, and fifty six strikeouts. So, so, or I'm sorry, fifty three strikeouts. The fifty three strikeouts uh, matches what uh, what Karinchak did, but uh, obviously the ERA and the WHIP of zero point six three zero. Wow, that's that's pretty devastating. He was four and one overall. Uh, finished with a, a, a WAR number of one point two uh, as a as a rookie. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, he's pitching in front of uh, Hader. I mean, he didn't. I don't think he had a save, did he? With those kind of numbers, I I don't believe no no saves. Yeah, I mean that kid. Uh, I, we saw him, and uh, you know, you're th- sitting there thinking, "When are the Indians going to get a hit off this guy?" And they never did. <laughs> so yeah, he had a great year. He might be the guy, but you know, like you said, the kid from uh, San Diego probably wins. Yeah, Cronen Cronenworth hit 285. He had an uh, 831 OPS. Uh, he had four home runs and 20 RBIs, uh, a 1.4 WAR. So if you go by the, the OPS plus 128, that's that's pretty good. Uh, I mean. You know, for a, a short season with, uh, you know, no fans in the stands and, you know, all, all the things that a rookie, uh, you know, has to has to go through. Um, I think Cronenworth, you know, really distinguished himself in, in terms of his numbers. Um, you know, 49 hits in 54 games, that's, that's a pretty good number. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's a good field. That's, those are three good players right there. Right. So that's the award that's coming out uh, later on this evening. Uh, tomorrow night, you have the Manager of the Year Award. I voted in the American League uh, Manager of the Year category. Uh, so I guess maybe tomorrow's podcast we can reveal. Uh, maybe maybe not until after tomorrow. Maybe Wednesday's podcast will reveal the votes. Uh, when they're, you can tell us, Joe. Come on. I can tell you. Okay, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's put it this way. My vote's pretty significantly mirrored the uh, the finals votes uh, in, in – in one way or another. So, uh, and then looking forward beyond that, then you get into the, the categories where the Indians have some, uh, some skin in the game. Obviously, uh, Thursday night will, or will, I'm sorry, Wednesday night will be the coronation for, uh, Shane Bieber as the American league Cy Young award winner. Uh, I think it's a no doubter. I think the only real, uh, uh, anything to look forward to in that chase is, or in that announcement will be if he's, a unanimous winner. Uh, he would be the first unanimous winner since Clayton Kershaw in 2014. Last time an American League pitcher was a unanimous was 2011 was Justin Verlander with Detroit. Uh, he would be what the fifth Indians pitcher uh, six times, but fifth Indian fifth different pitcher. Corey Kluber won it twice, uh, so it would be uh, Gaylord, Gaylord Perry, uh, CC Sabathia, Cliff Lee. Corey Kluber and Shane Bieber on uh, on Wednesday, and then Thursday you get to the uh, the the big one, the the final one. The Indians haven't won an MVP award since 1953, and Jose Ramirez has a shot uh, against DJ LeMahieu and Jose Abreu. Uh, should be a, a a real interesting vote there. Yeah, that's going to be really really interesting. Uh, who was the last MVP? Uh, 
Al uh, Rosen in 53. Al Rosen, right. That's a long time coming, man. And, uh, you know, we, Jose's uh, finished third twice. He's back in the top three again and as a finalist. Um, you know, he had such – he closed so well <clears throat> that, uh, you know, you've got to like that. But, you know, Abreu have, was solid from start to finish. And I'm wondering if that's going to carry – carry the day for uh, for him just a great year for the uh the White Sox first baseman and DJ LeMahieu I mean with the Yankees again beaten up I mean that guy uh if anything uh, he really improved his free agent standing right for the last few years. I mean the, the the only positive thing I guess is that you know the votes were, were handed in before the Indians played the Yankees uh, uh in the first round of the playoffs so LeMahieu can't benefit from, you know, the way that the Yankees beat up on the Indians there. But, again, Jose Ramirez, his last 14 hits, if you include the playoffs, all went for extra bases. I, I, it's, that was his, his OPS over his, in, in his last, you know, what, dozen games or so was just like cartoon numbers. Um, Jose Abreu, like you said, did it from the beginning of the season to the end. I think that's that consistency – and the fact that he played every game, uh, I, I think that's probably going to lead him to a very narrow uh, victory over Ramirez. You know, take satisfaction in the fact that Ramirez, you know, might finish second instead of third this time. But uh, there's a lot more work for him to be done next year. I, I think uh, it, this is this is the message. If if you're if you were an MVP last year, you've got to be uh, an MVP again next year for this Indians team, especially if Francisco Lindor isn't in the lineup. That's a great point, Joe. I mean, this is really, I mean, you know, Jose can't look back on this one. Okay, you win it, you lose it, you finish second, finish third, okay, and then you got to get ready for uh, 2021 because he's going to be awful lonesome in that middle of that lineup. If, you know, Lindor looks like he's gone, Santana's gone, Cesar Hernandez is gone. So, um, wow. That, that lineup is really going to look a lot different, and everybody is going to be pointing at Jose. Uh, the, he'll be the only guy left, uh, the only starter left on an infield that had all four guys start, what, 50, 54 games, yeah. something like that? And, so. and Joe, i got to ask you were, you, were you as surprised as I was that the Indians won the, uh, the fielding, the overall fielding award? I, that, uh, like you said, the, the defensive uh, gold glove for the, for the team award, yeah, the – I was, I was kind of a little surprised. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like the LeBron effect. Uh, covering LeBron for all the years that we had him here in, in town, you sort of lose sight of how good that you know LeBron really was, yeah. and the the little things that he did that not everybody does, and you sort of take for granted a little bit of that. Maybe that was the 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 fact. What happened with uh, the Indians' defense this year? I thought that there were weeks at a time when the Indians' defense really struggled and actually cost them a few games. But uh, obviously, this this was a, an award that I don't think it was necessarily voted by uh, any any managers or coaches or anything. I think this was all used uh, based on the Saber Defensive uh, Index, the the SDI, and according to those numbers, the Indians. Infield pitchers and catchers rated very highly compared to the rest of the league. Uh, the outfield was terrible, but uh, that didn't really hurt them. They, they finished, I think the number was like 17.2 was their deep, Sabre defensive index number. And they were like three points ahead of the White Sox. They were that much better. 
That's amazing. I love the comment from uh, Mike Sarbaugh that you had in your story uh, that uh, really having uh, so many shifts and having Ramirez being able to shift over to that shortstop spot and being a shortstop by trade basically came up that really, you know, helped them in turning double plays. A lot of times, you know, when the shortstop is shifted to the second, second base side of the bag, you know, and, and you lose that, that ability to turn the, the double play. But Ramirez, with Ramirez, you didn't lose it. I think they turned something like 46 double plays this year. And that was, uh, you know, up there in terms of uh, against the rest of the league. Uh, and really just watching Francisco Lindor on a daily basis, he's mastered that throw, the, the one-hop throw to, to first base with the, the quick release and, you know, a ball in the hole uh, deep that he's got to get rid of quick. Uh, but really you're talking about uh, an infield that plays good defense, you know, gold glove winner in Cesar Hernandez. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, you've got probably the best defensive catcher in the game right now back there on Roberto Perez. Uh, you know, Carlos Santana was a finalist a few years back uh, for, a, for a gold glove. So he's improved his defense tremendously. And he's, uh, he's great at scooping balls and saving errors. He's, he's really good at, at first base at digging the ball out of the dirt. And then for all the, all the faults and all of the, you know, runs that Delano DeShields cost in center field, you know, he did make a couple of plays going up against the wall and, and saving a few runs. I, I remember a ball he dove for near the track. Uh, those kinds of things. I guess that Sabre defensive index rewards runs saved more than it penalizes you for errors made. And I think that, okay. that sort of factored into things. Plus, then you've got uh, a guy like Zach Plesak, who, you know, is, is always among the league leaders in uh, um, pickoffs. Pick and, you know, the, the way that Roberto Perez handles things back behind the plate, uh, all of that really added up to uh, the Indians getting that award. Uh, when, if you, if you were somebody who followed closely, it really kind of didn't necessarily look like the team's best defensive effort this year. But, uh, you know, the numbers don't lie, I guess. Yeah, you, if you look at, you know, the traditional stats, they're kind of a middle of the pack a def, defense, you know, look at errors, fielding percentage, uh, chances. It, it just looked like, a, you know, okay, they were eighth, seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth in, in the American League. They, they looked like they didn't kill themselves. They didn't hurt themselves. But, it, you know, as far as being an elite defense, you know, you didn't uh, think about that. I mean, what, what were some of those old defenses they had? Robbie, uh, Robbie Alomar, Omar Vizquel, Travis Fryman, all three of those guys won gold gloves. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but obviously this was the first year for that award. So, you know, it was interesting and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a surprise. It was, it, was a, it was a nice surprise for the Indians, but you didn't see it coming, you know. No, and, uh, you know, just like with the gold gloves, you didn't see Hernandez's gold glove coming, uh, but – but then you look at the rest of the field and how they performed, and yeah. it's like, yeah, it's uh, you can you can see how it happened. The the sabermetricians this year have to be, uh, you know, just over the moon with themselves about how you know the gold gloves were awarded by you know numbers only, no vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, this award comes out, no vote. Uh, these the the guys who are disciples of Bill James, I guess, are uh, are sort of really loving this time with the with the shortened season and and uh, and all that. So, eye tests were not allowed. Right. Well, up until, you know, the, the biggest, you know, moment of the season uh, and Kevin Cash pulling uh, Blake Snell, 
then then the same matricians are going to go they're going to go run and hide when you bring that point up. So That's what. Not necessarily the right thing. Speaking of managers, uh, big news this weekend: the uh, the White Sox officially and or I'm sorry, the Red Sox officially announced that Alex Cora will be coming back. Uh, they've rehired the uh, one of the architects of the Astros cheating scandal. Uh, he is back, uh, has a job. Uh, I mean, you you said it before. You didn't expect him to be out of work very long after his suspension was uh, was lifted, and uh, so now the two guys um, that were you know pretty much the the poster children for uh, this uh, this malfeasance, I guess. Uh, AJ Hinch is back in Detroit, and Alex Cora now has his old job back in Boston. Uh, meanwhile, Jeff Lunau, the GM, uh, the fired GM of the Astros, is suing the team. Uh, it was just announced today. So. Uh, uh, I guess, how does this sit with you that, that Cora is back as the, the uh, Red Sox manager? You know, Joe, just I saw a great tweet about Lunau, uh, you know, suing, suing the Astros. The tweet said, how to, how to guarantee that you'll never work in baseball again. <laughs> baseball team. Yeah, so I don't know. He must, hopefully uh, he's got a lot, his, his bank account is, is filled. So he doesn't have to uh, go knocking on anybody's door to get another GM job. But yeah, Cora, I guess, was anticipated that he would come back. You know, I, you know, it's just uh, it's interesting to me. I mean, you know, you got Hinch in Detroit, you've got Cora in uh, in Boston. They're both back after a year's suspension, and it's like, okay, you know, not, it's nothing has happened. I, you know, it, it's just uh, I and I kind of. Can you equate that to um, the steroid guys, the steroid users, the guys that got caught? Like, is is Manny Ramirez all of a sudden now? Can can we vote for Manny? Because you know he he served his suspension. He's you know he came back and got caught again. He retired again. But right. But uh, you know, so it's it's really interesting. And and I I still like we've talked about this before. I still don't know how you hire Hinch when. He, Obviously, he lost control of that club. Right. You know, they were, they were dealing with, you know, so I, he had to have, I think, Al Avila. Hopefully, he asked him some tough questions, and it, it sounded like he did. And, and Cora, you know, you know, he followed him from Houston to Boston, and he said he wasn't, in, you know, the, the proof, MLB proved it wasn't, he wasn't involved, but I think the, the manager knows everything that's going on with the ball club. Right, and and Boston had its own sort of go around with the video room stuff and and, and all that. So, uh, it, it it this sort of stuff just follows him, I guess. Uh, yeah. As far as as Cora goes, though, you know he almost got rewarded for this. He got to sit out a season where the the Red Sox were terrible. They got rid of the basically their best player. They they shipped them off. They stripped down their organization, and they tanked this past season. So Cora gets to not be associated with any of that. He wasn't part of their awful 2020 season. Now he comes back when they're going to begin the process of rebuilding, you know, and, and putting together a winner with that club. He almost gets rewarded for this. That's interesting. That's a good point. You know, when Cora, Cora played here briefly with the Indians, and he was a hell of a guy. He was a good guy. He, uh, but I, I don't know, man. I mean uh, – We'll see how this works out because, you know, Boston kind of welcomed him back with open arms. It wasn't even, I don't think it was much of a, you know, much of a debate, much of an no. interview. 
you know, process. They wanted him. And uh, even when they fired him, they, the, the uh, compliments were glowing as he went out the door. So, well, well, and that's a great point. He doesn't go through the, uh, the, the poor season this past year. And so now the, the only real, uh, you know, player or, uh, you know, aspect of that cheating scandal uh, that does wind up really getting punished is Carlos Beltran, who, you know, as a player involved, he, he wasn't subject to, to any sort of suspension or anything, but he lost his job before even managing a game with the Mets. Uh, so he's really the only one who got punished, and he's really the only Astros player that was involved that sort of got punished, although not directly by the league. Uh, Beltran, I, I, I got to imagine he'll be back on somebody's bench at some point as well. Yeah, well, he's, I think he's, he's going to have a little tougher, tougher go with it because, you know, Cora and Hinch had track records, successful track records. You know, like you said, Beltran has never managed. So, right. you know, what do you get with him? What, and uh, so perhaps, I don't know, maybe, you know, with the Mets changing hands and changing ownership, and, you know, cleaning out the front office, who knows if uh, their manager will survive this. Maybe Beltran comes back this year. Well, I, I see maybe maybe a, a longer process for Beltran, but he does get back into it because I think teams do value what he can bring. Uh, obviously, now it's also the ability to cheat, but uh, he, maybe he manages the Puerto Rican team in the uh, World Baseball Classic, and that, and that starts a path back for him or is involved as a coach there somehow. That's a good point. Uh, who knows? You, you bring up Cohen and the, and the Mets. That was uh, officially became official as well. And he hired Sandy Alderson as the GM. And uh, they cleaned house. They, uh, Brody Van Wagenen and the entire front office uh, shoved out the door there. So the, the Mets get to rebuild. Uh, the, will the Mets, will Cohen, uh, now the rich, richest owner in the game, richest owner in baseball, is he going to – want to make a, a big move, a splashy move, uh, and trade for a guy like Francisco Lindor. I think that's a great point, Joe. And I think um, most manager, most new owners want to do that. And, uh, you know, the, he's bringing in a whole new front office. And I think Lindor is on their high on their hit list. You know, they're, they're, they're listing another name to think about Joe is Mike Chernoff. He was, he was, I think he interviewed a few, a few years ago, as, as a Mets GM, he's a New York kid. Uh, that might be a, you know, I'm, they might come after him again as a front office, part of that new front office. So if they get churn off, then, then it's a, a done deal that they'll trade Lindor to, to the Mets, right? I mean, that's obvious. The Mets would have the most to offer the Indians in terms of major league, you know, current major league players and, uh, you know, what, what fits Indians needs in terms of, uh, you know, maybe a Dominic Smith at first base or uh, uh, J.D. Davis or Jeff McNeil in the outfield. Uh, these are all possibilities uh, to, to be, you know, exchanged in a Francisco Lindor, uh, Francisco Lindor deal. Does the fact that they're just cleaning house in New York right now maybe sort of set things back a little bit? It might take a little longer to get something like this done because you don't know who you're dealing with. Uh, it's not like, Chappelle, uh, I'm sorry, it's not like Antonetti can pick up the phone you know, today and call and say, hey, you know, let's let's start, you know, tra uh, trade negotiations if there's nobody there to, to answer. Yeah, yeah, I think that might hold them up. But, uh, you know, I think those guys have a way, of, you know, if, if the Indians don't know who's interested in Lindor now after shopping him for two-plus seasons, 
you know, they have a, they're not as good as I think they are. And, you know, I would imagine there has been some preliminary discussions with the Mets along the way here, you may, if not this year, not this offseason, last offseason. So, you know, they've got their ducks in a row. I think it's just a matter of now, you know, what can you get for Lindor for one year? And mm-hmm. what does it, the team that's getting Lindor, what are their chances of assigning this guy to a multi-year deal? And like you said, Cohen's the richest owner in, in baseball. And I think that would be, a, you know, a great shot. They, have, they would have, a, you know, an, an added bonus of not only bringing this guy in for a year, but maybe signing him. You know, well, for, I, I mean, the feeling, the feeling that you get from Lindor is that he wants to get to free agency. He wants to get beyond this 2021 season so that he can, he can see what everybody wants to offer him and, in that regard. If he's already in New York by the end of the 2021 season, I, I, think, he, I think he definitely goes to free agency. But certainly one of the first people you check in with is Cohen because he's going to be the one to offer, be able to offer you the most money. I mean, nobody else, no other franchise is going to be able to offer you what he can in terms of cash because everybody else is dealing with, you know, the, the, the COVID situation and, and lost revenues and that. He's coming in fresh. He doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, and, and uh, you can look back on the Mookie Betts thing. Mookie could have been a free agent this winter. He chose to sign with the Dodgers. Mistake. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, you know, who knows? You know, maybe uh, Lindor and his agent, they haven't shown that 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 tendency to this point. Maybe they, they shy away from free agency. They look at the market. You know, even teams will be hurting even, you know, after after the 2021 season. So if, if he goes to the Mets, they offer him the kind of deal they want. Maybe they sign, but you know that's that's a lot of conjecture right there. Right, exactly. We're already putting him in New York before we're getting into that, so I, I guess uh, that that's where we are. All right, uh, we are are getting close to wrapping up here. Uh, just um, you know, looking forward, looking ahead to the rest of this week. Could this be a week where the Indians have a, a Cy Young and a, an MVP winner to to talk about by Friday? That would be cool. That would be uh, interesting, and it would be. Uh, you know, for a season that, you know, was a, okay, it was a good season, but a, a so-so season. And then it, so that they possibly have a chance to end up with a Cy Young winner and, and an MVP winner. You know, you just wonder about – it's just a reflection of how much talent they really have on this team. Right. Okay, well, we'll uh, check in again tomorrow uh, after and we'll talk about who won the, the Rookie of the Year award and uh, get ready to preview the, the rest of the week and the rest of the, the BBWA awards here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. 